In the previous videos, we've looked at forwards, futures and options. These were the basic building blocks for derivatives. We're now going to look at a slightly more complicated derivative product called a swap. Specifically, we're going to look at interest rate swaps and credit default swaps. These sound like complicated products. They're not. And we're going to work through the key elements of both today. Chase Bank has purchased a $100 million five-year AAA rated corporate bond yielding 6.5%. They paid $100 million for this bond, so the coupon is equal to the yield, which is 6.5%. The bond was purchased by Chase using one-year US dollar deposits from customers and Chase agreed to pay a variable rate of interest on these deposits equal to one year LIBOR. Now LIBOR is the London Interbank Overnight Rate. This is the rate at which banks borrow and lend between each other. So does Chase face any interest rate risk from this deal? Here's a picture that should clarify what's happening. Chase gave to this AAA corporation $100 million and in return the AAA corporation is going to pay Chase a fixed rate of 6.5% per year. Where did Chase get the $100 million from originally? From deposits. Customers paid money into Chase and Chase used that money to fund its investment in AAA Corp. And we know that Chase receives 6.5% from the AAA Corp and to compensate its customers it pays one year LIBOR to its customers. And this is a floating rate. LIBOR can go up and down over time. And it does look like Chase faces interest rate risk. They receive fixed, but they have to pay out floating. What happens if the floating rate goes above the fixed rate? That would mean they're receiving 6.5% while paying out, for example, 7.1% to their depositors. Chase doesn't want this situation to occur where they start losing money. What they want to do is eliminate all the risks associated with the floating rate. The way to do that is to enter into a fixed for floating interest rate swap. Sounds very complicated, so don't panic. This is an agreement to exchange fixed rate interest payments for floating rate interest payments at specified future times according to certain specified rules. And these swaps are designed so that only interest payments are exchanged. In other words, the face value underlying the transaction is identical for both parties. I say both parties. There must be someone else in this deal. If Chase wants to swap its fixed payment for floating payments, there must be someone on the other side that is willing to receive the fixed payment and pay out the floating rate. What's neat about this fixed for floating interest rate swap is that it is simply a series of forward contracts on an interest rate. What do we know about the value of forward contracts at initiation? 
we know that all forward contracts are equal to zero. The value is equal to zero at initiation. That means that the initial value of a swap is also zero. That's good for Chase because that means Chase can hedge their interest rate risk or eliminate their interest rate risk using a product that costs nothing at initiation. So here is the structure of the swap. Chase is going to pay 6.1% to the swap dealer and in return the swap dealer will pay Chase one year LIBOR. The swap rate which is 6.1% is calculated by the dealer. So this is neat for Chase. Chase only has to pay 6.1% fixed and in return it receives one year LIBOR which it can pass straight on to its customers. That means Chase no longer has any interest rate risk. We can see that by looking at the bigger picture. We started with AAA Corp paying Chase 6.5% per year. Chase then passes this along. Chase then pays the swap dealer 6.1% per year and that's fixed. In return the swap dealer gives Chase one year LIBOR which Chase passes straight along to its depositors. Chase no longer has any interest rate risk. Now suppose LIBOR rises up to 7.1%. Can we show that Chase has no exposure to this change in the LIBOR rate? If Chase didn't use a swap it would be losing money now because LIBOR is higher than the fixed rate it's receiving from the AAA corporation. Well what happens with LIBOR at 7.1%? Chase has to make a payment to its depositors and that's going to be a cash outflow of 7.1 million because it's paying LIBOR to its customers. It receives 6.5 million from the AAA Corporation bond. Now what's the net receipt in the swap? The net receipt is going to be LIBOR, that's what Chase receives from the swap. What does it pay? Well it pays the swap rate. So we're going to get this equal to 7.1, that's what Chase receives from the swap dealer, minus what it pays, which is 6.1%, so the net gain here, the net receipt, is 1 million. And if we add these up, we've got minus 7.1 plus 6.5 million plus 1 million. Gives us a total net position of 0.4 million dollars. Even though LIBOR has risen to 7.1%, Chase still makes 0.4 million dollars, so 400,000 dollars thanks to the use of the interest rate swap. Does Chase face any risks? Well, it certainly doesn't face any interest rate risk anymore, but there is default risk. We have the default risk of the swap dealer, and we also have default risk associated with the AAA bond. Swap dealers typically have lots of different swaps going on at any one time, and losses from one swap will cancel out with gains on other swaps. 
so we don't need to worry too much about the default risk of the swap dealer. We may, however, want to worry about the default risk of the AAA corporation. Suppose, in fact, that that AAA corporation, whose bond Chase purchased, was actually Ford Motor Company, and Chase is concerned about Ford's financial position and the possibility of bankruptcy. It doesn't want Ford to go out of business and go bankrupt because that will mean Ford will default on its interest payments, and it may indeed default on the principal value as well of 100 million. Chase doesn't want that. At the moment, Chase has credit risk, and it wants to manage that credit risk. The way it can do that is through the use of a credit default swap. A credit default swap is a security, a derivative, with a payoff that is linked to a credit-related event. For example, it may pay off if there is a default, a credit downgrade by a rating agency, or if the firm goes into bankruptcy. And what happens in this credit default swap? Well, Chase is going to pay a premium or a price of 150 basis points for $100 million of protection against Ford Motor Company experiencing a credit event. Often, in the Wall Street Journal, in practice, you'll see the premium being referred to as the credit default spread. And this is paid for the life of the contract, or until a credit event. So every year, Chase will have to pay 150 basis points per year for this protection. If a credit event occurs, Chase has the right to sell the bonds with a face value of $100 million, issued by the Ford Motor Company, to the swap dealer for $100 million. It's a bit like a put option, because Chase can put the bond back to the swap dealer, and the swap dealer has to pay the face value of the bond, even though the bonds are no longer worth the face value. Here's what happens with this credit default swap. There are two scenarios, one in which there is no default, and one in which Ford does default. In the no default case, Chase pays 150 basis points per year to the swap dealer, and the swap dealer pays nothing to Chase. For the $100 million bond, Chase is paying $1.5 million a year to eliminate credit risk. Now suppose Ford does default, or it has a credit event. Now what happens? Well, Chase now can sell their defaulting Ford bond to the swap dealer. And the swap dealer has to pay a face value of $100 million to Chase. This means that Chase's credit risk has been completely eliminated. If Ford defaults, it doesn't matter. Chase still get their money back. What are the benefits of hedging or managing your credit risk with a credit default swap? The main benefit is that credit risk is completely eliminated. Chase no longer has to worry about the financial state of Ford Motor Company. Effectively, what you've done by using the credit default swap is create a long position in a riskless bond that pays 6.5% per year. Because now there is no credit risk. This is like owning a government bond now. 
The question is, is there an arbitrage opportunity? The risky Ford bond plus a credit default swap gives us a riskless bond. Are the rates of return the same? Now this is fun stuff. You can see why there is so much money to be made in finance. Because initially as we were working through this example, you probably didn't think about the implications of the risky Ford bond plus the credit default swap. It's actually a riskless bond. If these rates of return do not match up, then traders will make arbitrage trades to exploit the mispricings. Well, are there any risks? Is it completely riskless? I guess you could say there's default risk for the swap dealer, but we know that the risk of the swap dealer defaulting is minimal. That's all I want to cover in this video lecture. See you in class.